This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on AM 740 Zoomer Radio. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Good afternoon and Happy New Year. Welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Louise Nimer. If you set foot inside a gym this month, you'll probably find it's packed with new members moving forward with a New Year's resolution to get fit. What are the most effective workouts for Zoomers and how do you keep on track? Today, we'll hear from Rod McDonald of CanFit Pro. Plus, does another year older mean another year wiser? There's a growing body of science on that subject. Sociologist Monica Ardelt will tell us how and why we find wisdom with age. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. An Ontario man finished 2015 with an amazing accomplishment, becoming the first person to row solo non-stop from North America to the Australian mainland. John Beden rowed more than 7,400 nautical miles across the Pacific Ocean in his six-meter boat. He spent 209 days at sea, departing from San Francisco on June the 1st and arriving in Cairns, Australia on Boxing Day. Beden originally hails from northern England but has lived in Burlington since 2004. This isn't the 53-year-old's first rowing adventure. He crossed the Atlantic Ocean four years ago. If you do the grocery shopping in your household, you've probably experienced sticker shock over the past year. Food prices rose 4% in 2015, and that growth is expected to continue in 2016 at a rate of 4.5%. Executives from major food chains say there's no relief in sight because they're paying bigger costs and because of the weaker Canadian dollar. However, if one of your New Year's resolutions is to eat healthier, you could also find yourself saving money. The UN Food and Agriculture Organization has declared 2016 the International Year of Pulses. Pulses include lentils, chickpeas, and beans, all cheap and healthy sources of protein and fiber that could have a positive impact on your grocery bill. A new study out of the UK suggests that elderly people who rely on health care services could be suffering abuse in silence. The government study found that 56% of people over the age of 65 who experienced problems with their health care services did not complain because they feared it could impact future treatment. In addition, nearly 20% did not know how to raise a complaint, and a full third felt complaining would make no difference. The study is published in a report that urges immediate and effective action, particularly due to Britain's aging population. And finally... Many Zoomers might not be fans of his music, but he was a Zoomer with an enthusiasm for rock and roll that earned him countless fans around the world. Lemmy Kilmister, the lead singer of the British rock group Motorhead, passed away this week at the age of 70 from an aggressive form of cancer. 
His rock and roll career began in the 1960s as a roadie for Jimi Hendrix. In 1975, he formed Motorhead, a group that would become synonymous with the term hard rock. But it was also Lemmy's persona that earned his reputation as a true rock and roll character. For those who didn't know him, he was a sight to behold, a towering figure often clad in black with a big handlebar mustache and two warts on the side of his face. He also had a habit of drinking a full bottle of Jack Daniels a day. His close friend, Alice Cooper, paid tribute to him by saying, I can't think of anyone who didn't adore Lemmy, and you can't say heavy metal without mentioning Lemmy. I'm Libby Snymer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Do you want to exercise more in 2016? Resolutions about diet and exercise are at the top of the list for most people. The experts say if you want to succeed, you need to plan what kind of workout you will do and exactly when you'll do it. CanFitPro, a group representing more than 1,500 fitness professionals, asked its members to rate the most effective fitness trends for 2016. Rod McDonald dropped by our studios to talk about the top 10 and how they will work for Zoomers. The new year is the time that, that people jump on that bandwagon to uh, create new change with the, with the changing of the calendar, if you will. Um, what we found uh, over time is that consistency is more important than whatever magic pill people are, are looking for. And so we recommend that they, they look for activities that they enjoy first and foremost uh, and ideally are effective as well. How do you keep at it? Well, keeping at it uh, has to do with making it part of your lifestyle. You really have to embrace uh, fitness, exercise, healthy eating as part of your identity, as part of who you are. And when you do that, it, it becomes second nature. Uh, for people who try to sort of bolt it on or, or you know, put it in at some times of the year and, and only when they're preparing for an event or they want to lose weight for a high school reunion or something like that, um, that's the, the kind of situation that's a little bit more tricky because it seems to be more about one time as opposed to uh, continuity. What do you say to people who say, I just don't have time? Well, that's the, that's the most frequent reason people have for not exercising. And what I would say is it's a bit of an old adage. I don't know who, who coined the, the phrase first, but if you don't make time for exercise now, you're going to make time for illness later. Mm-hmm. So my recommendation would be to schedule it. But whatever it is that's going to uh, fit into a person's schedule is what they should be doing. And they're more likely to stick with it if that's the case. I've seen studies that say as little as 15 minutes a day makes a difference. What do you recommend for, you know, people in our age group, Zoomers, um, over 45? What do you recommend? It's the same message that I would give to just about everybody, which is um, a minimum of 10 minutes. And anything more than that uh, is going to be bonus. So if, and I Every I day, 10 minutes. Every day, yeah. Every year you name the top 10 biggest trends for the coming year. So the first at the top is functional fitness, and functional fitness is something we've heard about before, and it's especially good for Zoomers. Absolutely. Functional fitness is really the ability to, uh, to carry on the daily activities that we want to carry on with, whether they be more physical in nature, such as uh, lifting up our kids and grandkids. It might be uh, shoveling the walk, might be carrying groceries. But it also has to do with 
being able to live that Zoomer lifestyle of being physically active with vibrancy and uh, and being able to, to do the things you might like to do. Okay, so what does functional fitness involve if I signed up for a class? On the one hand, it could be using uh, body weight. It also means in in a class-type format, things like push-ups and or pull-ups and multiple joint movements that's going to use a lot of muscle uh, at the same time. A little further down the list, number six, older adult training. So that's something obviously we're interested in. How would that be different than what you recommend for the general population? You know, the the um, the notion of older adult training really is looking at the individual that you're uh, you're working with, whether you're a personal trainer or the individuals you're working with in the case of a group fitness class, and understanding who they are and what not only their needs and abilities are, but what considerations they might uh, need to have thought of. I was actually going to ask you about that. I have um, pretty bad arthritis in my knee, so how do I uh, modify things to accommodate that? Great question, and I can tell you from my own experience, because mm-hmm. I have osteoarthritis in my knees too, um, that really the modification has to do with reducing the impact without sacrificing the intensity. We know that if we do a lot of jumping, whether that's in the form of running or jumping jacks or something like that, that impact, uh, we're actually putting about seven to ten times more impact on our joints than if we're walking. The other thing that sort of caught my eye here uh, is life and wellness coaching to complement your fitness training. Uh, to some people, that might sound a little, you know, woo-woo, new agey. <laughs> yes, yes. The, the sort of wooey-wooey uh, aspect might be there for some people, but that's often because they haven't, um, they haven't been exposed to it. Coaching as the sort of uh, catch-all term is really about helping the individual realign what it is that they want with something that's attainable for them to achieve. Mm-hmm. Uh, and personal training is very popular. I mean, I occasionally use a personal trainer and kind of for many people, the the biggest thing about it is that, well, you know, if you know you're paying your trainer, you're going to show up. Yes, uh, that accountability is both uh, a major selling factor for both personal training and for coaching. And in fact, that uh, we, we find that because there's somebody there keeping track and pushing you a little bit that you're actually going to do maybe a little bit, sometimes a lot more than you would have if you were on your own. The difference between somebody who lives a very healthy lifestyle and somebody that doesn't is the person who uh, doesn't live a healthy lifestyle and probably has, has done so for many years probably will live to about the same age, but their last 10 or so years will probably be really unpleasant for them. And the person who lives a very healthy lifestyle, their life and their quality of life will be so much more almost right up to the end. And they'll be able to squeeze even more out of their lives because of that. Okay, Rod, thanks so much. Thank you. I've been speaking with Rod McDonald of CanFit Pro. I'm Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Now that we're all a year older, are we any wiser? My next guest would say so. In just a moment, Monica Ardelt will tell us why and how we find wisdom with age. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. In 2016, the oldest baby boomers will be turning 70. Will they find new wisdom with age? Now that the largest generation in history is embarking on this milestone, a growing group of researchers has begun to study whether older really is wiser 
and in what way the wisdom of age comes to bear. Monica Ardelt, an associate professor of sociology at the University of Florida, has written extensively on this subject, and I reached her in Tallahassee. Is older necessarily wiser? No, unfortunately not. (laughs) But older people have a greater chance to develop wisdom than younger people because to a certain extent, wisdom is learning from experiences. So the older one gets, the more experiences one has. But not everybody necessarily learns from experiences. Now, how do you explain the paradox that, in general, older people tend to be happier, and they tend to be happier even as they acquire losses uh, in their health or whatever? Well, there are a couple of things. First of all, they have learned how to deal with life, and they sometimes have better coping abilities. They also don't sweat the small stuff necessarily anymore um, because they know what's important, and they focus more on the positive things, and they avoid negative things. Older people are at the end of their life, and they don't have to open up opportunities, but they can concentrate on the pleasant aspects of their life. And so in this regard, even though they do encounter losses, they are also prepared more for these losses. Older people have kind of often come, um, have accepted the fact that life is finite and that eventually people will die. And so they are not as devastated if it actually happens. Our society doesn't necessarily have that much reverence for older people. What do we have to learn from older people? Just the stories they have to tell, um, what they went through, how they handled life's difficulties, and how they came out in a positive way is, I think, very fascinating. And uh, I think... Uh, younger people should spend more time and actually listening to their um, grandparents, you know, about their life. Do you see this changing in our society anytime soon? Hmm. I'm not so sure about that. <laughs> there will definitely be more older people, and they are more healthy, more active. They are more. They probably will be more visible with the baby boom generation getting older, and we will see how this changes. I think the baby boom generation really will change aging as the baby boom generation has changed so many other things. I don't think that they will accept the current state of uh, long-term care, for example, like the nursing homes, which could definitely be done better, and also end-of-life care. They Mm -hmm. probably want to have um, better, more humane, and, uh, you know, so more compassionate end-of-life care, maybe less focused on technology and more on, you know, the the human relationships and what makes sense um, at the end of life. And some of the things you mentioned are already changing in terms of... uh, right to die and and also palliative care and, you know, communes instead of nursing homes. Exactly. There is a new vision of aging emerging, uh, at least uh, in some parts of society. Do you think that will aid older and wiser or will it, is it going to be older people just trying to be young? I think it's both, actually. Um, In some ways, there is a certain... Uh, almost pressure to stay young. 
You know, what, what was it just, uh, I saw this in the, in, the, in the advertisement in the New York Times, Christy Brinkley gets, is, turns 60, right, and she looks like 30. And uh, so now we all have to look like 30, right? Um, and, and that of, is, of course, in the end, futile, you know, for most people. But there is this, this, this pressure to stay young, to look young, and not to look old. Um, I think there's also a counter-movement of some people who are proud to be old and, you know, to look the part, and, but still to be active, and, um, and active in a different kind of way, not necessarily the prolongation of middle age, but to actually do something that is maybe meaningful, giving back to society and, uh, you know, making sure that the next generation uh, has the best possibilities that there are. So I can imagine baby boomers, older baby boomers, as activists, you know, so in the, in the idea of, you know, a Maggie Kuhn, the Grey Panthers, and a reawakening of the Grey Panthers, now they have the freedom, they often have the financial means uh, to, to do what they want. And um, research has shown if people volunteer and find, me, find meaningful work, they actually are happier and also tend to live longer. Okay, Dr. Ardell, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Monica Ardelt is an associate professor of sociology at the University of Florida. I'm Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Stephen Stills, one of the great songwriters of the Zoomer generation, is celebrating a birthday this weekend. We'll hear a timeless hit he wrote in 1967, right after this. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Welcome back to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. It's time for your international arts date book. Tips for those of you who are jetting around the world. Here's Jane Brown. In New York City, Tony and Golden Globe winner Linda Lavin takes the stage in Our Mother's Brief Affair. It's the story of an ailing mother who reveals a shocking secret to her children. The production is in previews at Samuel J. Friedman Theater. In the Windy City, there's still time to enjoy the holiday exhibition called Open Something Greater. It wraps up this weekend at the Art Institute of Chicago. To London, England, where audiences are enjoying Good Night, Mr. Tom. It's set during the build-up to the Second World War as a damaged young boy forms a friendship with a curmudgeonly but incredibly kind man. It's at Duke of York's Theater. And in Rome, Una Dolce Vita is a celebration of Art Nouveau design and furniture, vases, paintings, and tapestries. It's at the Exposition Palace. I'm Jane Brown, and that's the International Arts Datebook. This weekend, Stephen Stills is celebrating his 71st birthday. The singer, songwriter, and multi-instrumentalist is best known for his roles in Buffalo Springfield and Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. With Buffalo Springfield, he wrote and sang one of the most iconic songs of the 1960s. It was inspired by events that took place on Sunset Strip in Los Angeles in 1966. A strict 10 p.m. curfew had been imposed in order to reduce crowds, loitering, and traffic congestion from young people leaving nightclubs. Young hippies and rock and roll fans considered this a violation of their civil rights and planned a massive demonstration. On Saturday, November 12, 1966, over a 1,000 people rallied at the corner 
of Sunset Boulevard and Crescent Heights. The crowd included celebrities like Jack Nicholson and Peter Fonda, who was famously handcuffed by the police after the demonstration. The clash between the demonstrators and the police inspired Stephen Stills, and three weeks later, he had written and recorded a song about the events. It has since become a well-known protest song and a hallmark of the 60s. Here is Buffalo Springfield with For What It's Worth. There's something happening here. That was Buffalo Springfield with For What It's Worth. It was written by Stephen Stills, who is celebrating his 71st birthday this weekend. And that brings us to the end of another edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Thanks for joining me today. Jane Brown will be in the chair for the next few weeks. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. You've been listening to the Zoomer Week in Review. Produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive producer, Moses Nyman. Produced by Paul Thomas. Program director, John Vandriel. This has been an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review. Heard every Sunday at noon on AM 740 Zoomer Radio. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.